I am so excited that we uh, get to yet again be in the book of Ephesians. And if you were last week here, you were like, well, we hit chapter 6. There's not a chapter 7. Well, there, uh, there's something I want us to talk about before we close out this um, uh, study that we've been in for some time now. Uh, and that is at the end of chapter 6. Um, we're going to read uh, the last part of Paul and his um, talking to us about spiritual warfare. And just to set us up today... Um, the book of Ephesians is wrote by Paul to the church at Ephesus, and the church at Ephesus um, is, the, is in the middle of an epicenter. I mean, it is booming. Uh, at the time, it is a major trade uh, system and city, and, uh, but the church has an overshadow. The church is shadowed not by commerce, not by business. The church has a shadow cast from a big temple Similar to what you saw in the pictures of this idol, or in the videos of this temple and idol worship, it is the, the temple to the, the, the uh, goddess Diana, or Artemis, as some would call it, uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. And, uh, and this temple is uh, there, right there in the middle of the city, and um, people are coming in in masses to worship this false god. And then you have the church, the true church of Jesus Christ there at, at the foot of it. And God is doing something miraculous. Um, we read in Acts 19 where, where Paul, when he gets on the scene at Ephesus, and the power of God shows up in such a, a phenomenal way, a supernatural way, that people are, are burning their idol worship stuff and they're coming to Jesus. It's a, it's a revival breaking out uh, in the city of Ephesus. And so Paul begins to encourage and remind the church since he's left in Acts 19 and now is writing from from jail from house arrest uh, to the church he's reminding them of so much and it's reminded us of so much of who we are in Christ and how he's chosen us and redeemed us and we have spiritual blessings in him as long as we are in Christ you see the church at Ephesus they were in Ephesus but they were in Christ and we're in South Haven today, but we're in Christ. And there's that tension that we have to manage as believers that are not of this world, but just strangers passing through. We have to, we have to check our walk daily to say, am I walking in South Haven or am I walking in Christ? Am I walking in the flesh or am I walking in the spirit? And so we've talked about how we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling in Christ. And then last week we saw yet again about how we are soldiers. Paul shifts in his language from that you're a child in, in Christ and you need to mature to now you are a soldier in Christ. And he's given us commands. He's telling us you need to do this right here. And so today what we're going to do we're going to read the, still the, the spiritual warfare passages, those verses, and then we're going to hit the last little bit because in that last little bit, there are some very powerful things that Paul uh, is telling us. And remember, he started off with finally last week, finally saying, hey, I saved the best for last. Finally, don't forget this. And so we're going to look at that as we end out this series. And so I would love for us to do what we uh, often do, and that is stand for the reading of the Word. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'll grab them and go to Ephesians 6 and stand to your feet, you can use your digital Bible or you can look on the screen. We're going to start reading in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, and then in the message we'll zoom in on a few of the verses. If you have your place in Ephesians chapter 6, Starting in verse 10, and you're ready to read, say, let's go. This is Paul to the church. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 
praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. This word is not just ink on a page. This is your very words, and it is alive. And so, Father, we're right now opening our hearts to receive it, to be corrected, to be encouraged, to be convicted, to be equipped. God, you do a mighty work in us today. God, we are, we are strong in you, not in ourselves. And so, Father, we right now, we, we submit to you and ask, God, that you would touch us empower us we are soldiers listening to our to our commander today would you speak to us and it's in jesus name we pray amen amen you may be seated today the title of today's message is praying at all times in the spirit that comes from verse 18 and we're going to see we're going to jump into verse 18 and pick it apart today but paul is telling us that we're in a battle that's why he's using these um, commands like we're soldiers. He's telling us that we're in a battle. And he gives us our armor. He says to put on the full armor of God. And he gives us all these uh, pieces of armor that we uh, can have. And he tells us our weapon. He said, man, it's the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. And so he's showing us all these things. And then he tells us how to engage in the battle. We've got the, we've got the armor. We've got the sword. And then he tells us in verse 18 how to start engaging in this battle. And so for our time together, we're going to zoom in on the last few verses, starting in verse 18, and we're going to see how we can engage in the battle. Verse 18 says to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. And so as a soldier, how we can engage in this battle is not with our fist, but it's with prayer with talking to God, communing with God, with communicating with God. His prayer is how we fight against spiritual warfare. That's what Paul's telling us, that prayer is a mighty weapon. It is prayer that wins the war. And it's, it blows my mind when I think about this, that God in all his power and all his might, that in just him speaking or even thinking or even just a flick of a finger could destroy the devil and all the rebellious angels. He could do away with them, but yet he doesn't. And not only does he not do away with them, he chooses us to fight them. That we as humans are called to wage war, to battle in the spiritual realm. And that we are, as humans in our flesh are, are, the, are the mechanism that God wants to use to wage war with these rebellious angels that we call demons or spiritual beings or, or heavenly hosts and all this kind of things. We, we're talking about it on Wednesdays, and so I would encourage you, uh, not this Wednesday because we'll be in Nesbitt, but the next Wednesday, jump on and catch up with us. Or you can always look on the, on the uh, podcast on Spotify, Apple, Pandora, all that kind of stuff, and you can listen to those. So Paul is commanding us to engage through prayer. So we're not just a warrior like we would think with our fist and our flesh. No, no, we're prayer warriors. That's where we get that term from. Everybody, you know that term where you're like, Who, who's the prayer warriors in the house? I need to call on the prayer warriors. Well, all of us, according to the scriptures, are to be prayer warriors. That we are the ones that are, should know how to pray, when to pray. That we should be engaging in this powerful tool called prayer. And, and, and this is honestly nothing new to the church. Jesus modeled this. The church at Ephesus, they knew the power of prayer. They, they, they've heard Jesus' stories. They've seen the power of it. Jesus modeled this lifestyle of prayer. He modeled this uh, warfare of prayer. Luke chapter 5 is a reference for us. In Luke 5, it tell, Jesus says, or it says about Jesus that but Jesus would withdraw to a desolate place and pray. And so we see that prayer was serious to Jesus. 
All throughout the New Testament, all throughout the Gospels, we see in the Gospels uh, Jesus making this habit of going and praying, waging war, getting strength, getting power, uh, doing the will of the Father all through prayer. So my goal for us today simply is for us to take prayer seriously. Now, I know that we, those words should never be uttered in front of a church that is built on prayer and knows how to pray and has seen God move. But the reality is, is that just like the church at Ephesus, we can be people of prayer and we can see the power of God move. But then over time, we forget to pray. We lose sight of this powerful weapon. And it's not by accident. Because remember, this, this war that we're in is not flesh and bones. It's spiritual so guess what? The enemy wants you to forget to pray. He, you're always, he's going to make you distracted. He's going to make you tired. He's going to make you forget. He's going to make you busy. He, he wants to make you forget to pray. And so when we look at our life and we look at the spiritual disciplines in our life and those things that we should be doing, if there is something that we know we should be doing, but we don't, I would pose to you today that that's probably a spiritual attack on you. That, that's, that the enemy is working hard to make it where you don't pray or you don't serve or you don't tithe or you don't read your Bible or you don't submit to one another or you don't. Do, that's what it might be, maybe is a spiritual attack on your life. And so we just want to understand why we should pray. We want to understand the importance of it. We want to pray like we know we should. And, and if we're being honest, it's a discipline. Just like eating healthy is a discipline, right? Like, I want to eat pizza and donuts, but I, I don't, you know, but I know that I, I shouldn't. I know that I should switch that out for some, some good meat and some, and some fruit. Like, I know I should be eating those things, but man, those, that donut and that pizza, the ice cream that I ate last night, it's, it's draw. It's like, man, it's so tempting, right? And so when we think about doing the right thing, when we think about, I know I should pray, but I don't, we immediately think, well, I'm just not disciplined. Like, I have a discipline issue. I'm not disciplined enough to do this. Just like I'm not disciplined enough to go to the gym every day, I'm not disciplined enough maybe in prayer. And maybe you're partially right. Maybe um, uh, discipline is uh, one of your issues, but I would drill in a little deeper than that. Because I believe for a lot of us, the, the issue is not that we're not disciplined. We don't have bad habits. We have bad beliefs. We don't have bad habits when it comes to prayer. We have bad beliefs. And I know this isn't the best thing to say from the platform, but I believe a lot of us in the room actually are unsure about the power of prayer. That we're unsure. Does it really work? Can, will God really move on my behalf? That when I pray, does God hear me? Does heaven move? Does he, does he, does he command angels to move on my behalf? Does he work things out? Because here's the problem. Or the challenge that we have. Sometimes we'll pray and God will answer, answer those prayers in such a way that we see him move mightily. Other times we'll pray and we see nothing happen. Or we forget to pray about something we said we were going to pray about and then it happens anyway. And you're like, I don't know. And so I think for a lot of us, it's not that we're undisciplined in prayer. I think some, somewhere deep down we question does it really work? Is there power in prayer? When I talk, does God hear me? When I'm, when I'm praying for something, is God going to make that happen? And today I want us to uh, discover how we can see the power of God move in our prayer life. I want us to discover how, it, how is it that I can pray and I can see the hand of God move in such a powerful way? How can I pray and see signs and wonders and miracles happen like we see in this book. That's my heart. That's what I want to see. I don't know if anybody else wants to see that today, but I want to see when I pray, God moves in such a tangible way that I know it was him, that I know that he heard me. And so we're going to do that today. And so that's why Paul is, is talking to the church about this powerful tool of prayer. And so maybe we, we think, well, um, I don't, I'm not sure about the power. Maybe you are undisciplined. There's another thing is maybe that we fail to realize how much we need God, how much we are dependent upon God. One of the biggest hindrances to our prayers is our failure to realize how desperately we need God's help. Uh, there's a quote I put 
uh, on the screen from a guy named Paul Miller. He wrote a book called A, a Praying Life. And this really described a lot of us, especially me. It says, if you're not praying, then you are quite confident that time, money, talent are all you need in life. And that's hard to hear. And if that's the case, you'll always be a little too tired, a little too busy to pray. But if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired you are, you will find the time. Now, no, none of us want to admit it, but maybe you've been there. You're like, I'm just too tired. I'm too tired to read my Bible. I'm too tired to pray. Or I'm too busy to do this. I'm too busy to do that. But we always will make time for those things that are important to us. And so we have to reprioritize and realize that just because we are an American doesn't mean that we can do everything on our own. You know, and that's such the Western culture of individualism is, well, I'm American, C-A-N, I can do it. I don't need anybody else. But no, 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 we need to depend on God. And we, if we're going to engage in this spiritual battle, if we're going to advance in this spiritual battle and not get knocked down and defeated, if we're going to stand firm like we just read in the Scriptures, then we've got to be able to use this tool called prayer. And now in the church, every time we talk about prayer, which is a very common theme, immediately people will in their minds say, well, I don't need to hear about this. I know about prayer. I'm good with this. If that's you today, and maybe when you hear that we're talking about prayer, you immediately start to check out in your mind, can I just press a little bit and say, you're probably the one that needs to hear it. You're probably the one that needs to listen up and sit on the edge of your seat and engage today, because I believe God wants to do something new in you today. I believe that he wants to re, re, reignite the fire of prayer in your life. And so Paul says that we should be using this spiritual weapon, this praying weapon. And so what does Paul say about it? He says that we should be praying at all times. Praying at all times. So it's not just about praying before supper or before bed, but in verse 18, Paul says that we need to be praying at all times. You can make a little note and you could go back and circle this, but in that passage we just read of verses 10 through 20 there, Paul uses that word all nine times. Even when he says the whole armor, that word whole is the same word in the Greek as all. And so Paul uses nine times, he's saying all, everything, the whole armor, all supplication, all prayer. Paul's wanting us to get a full picture, not to leave anything behind, but to get a fullness of what God wants to do for us as a soldier in Christ. He has a completion, an allness of that. And he uses the same language when he's talking about prayer, that, that we, we need to get the whole package of prayer, that we don't need to just pray prayers of blessing over our food or pray prayers of blessing over our sleep at night, but that we need to pray all kinds of prayers. And so Paul says that we need to do this at all times. Why should we pray at all times? Because the battle is going on at all times. If it's a spiritual battle, it don't clock out. The devil doesn't take a break. And so as a follower of Christ today, we need to be praying at all times, consistently praying. The reality for us is, is that many of us don't pray until we get attacked, until the sword hits us, and then we pray. It's a prayer of urgency. It's a, it's a rescue. It's a lifeline. But Paul is teaching us to pray at all times because prayer is not just a lifeline for us. Prayer is a lifestyle that we should have this lifestyle of prayer, not just a get-out-of-jail-free card type of prayer, that we should consistently, constantly be praying. That's why 1 Thessalonians 5 says in verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. And so maybe you're thinking, well, how do I do that? That's a, that's a lot of time spent on my knees praying. I need to work. I need to eat. I need to sleep. How do I pray consistently at all times with my eyes closed? Like I'm driving. I can't close my eyes. What, what, what are you talking about, Paul? Well, obviously, prayer is not just this formal, eloquent, like, you know, just I got to use words I don't understand kind of thing. That if I, if I, if I pray in the King James language, then God's going to hear me. No, no, prayer is not that. 
It could be part of that. That could be part of your prayer where you have this time where you bow before the Lord and you close your eyes and kneel at your bed. Or Then you can do that. But in order for us to pray consistently, we have to have conversation. It's just, it's just conversation with the Father. And so as I'm driving down the road and I see a beautiful tree, God thinks, man, that's an awesome tree, God, that you made. As the weather's nice, I'm praising the Lord for that. As somebody cuts me off in the traffic, I'm praying about that, right? I'm, he wants to be a part of everything. As you're in school and you're taking a test, he wants you to talk to him about the test. As you're, you know, working your job and you're frustrated about something, he wants you to talk. That's prayer. He's just talking to him. But we, we don't want to water it down so much that we think that, oh, well, if I just, you know, tell God how my day is and how that food tasted and, and what I saw today, then that'll be it. No, no, no. It's more than that. It's spiritual warfare. That when we pray, God hears and moves on our behalf. And so we need to understand that there is a holiness to this, a reverence to this, that there is, this is a big thing, that it's not just, hey, I'm just hanging out with my friend Jesus over here and I'm just talking to him. No, no, it's more than that. So if we're going to pray consistently, then we have to build a relationship with him. If we're going to pray to him, we've got to be with him. And we've got to know how he thinks and, and know, how, know his ways. You see, that's what strengthens a relationship is when you're with somebody and you're talking to them. It's the same way in marriage. A lot of people would judge the strength of a relationship of a marriage based on their communication right? Good communication between husband and wife equals a lot of times a good marriage. And if that's the same rule that we're going to use, say, for your relationship with God, well, then how would you score? How is your relationship with God based on communication, based on being with one another, talking to each other? That's what God wants. And so we see in our notes that prayer is about a relationship, not a ritual. Prayer is about a relationship, not a ritual. When we saw this change the map video, you saw a lot of idol worship, temple worship, burning incense, giving sacrifices. These are rituals to these people that they know that they uh, do this based on merit. That if, if I don't make it to the temple to give my sacrifice, then that's a strike against me. That God's going to be mad at me. He's going to turn his ear from me. And they've made this worship to their God a ritual. And so often we can view our God the same way. That we think, well, if I don't go to church, well, if I don't give, if I don't tithe, then, then God's just mad and he's turned his ear from me. And we just base Christianity off of rituals. But more than all of that, God wants a relationship with us. He wants oneness with us. That's why Jesus prayed in John 15 that, that we would be one as him and the Father are one. That we would abide in him. That's in Christ. That's what Paul's been talking about in Ephesians, that we would be found in him. So we see that we should be praying at all times, but also we see how we can be in him, how our prayers can be in him. As we continue to read in verse 18, Paul says, at all times, in the spirit, in the spirit. And that's where I want to land for just a moment, is that we're not praying in the flesh, we're praying in the spirit. That, that that's because the power of God that lives in us that we talked about last week, that God fashioned inside of us, that we are to be praying with that power, with that ability, that we're praying in the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you can write that reference down. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. So when we pray in the Spirit, we're not just praying for tangible things for God to bless us with a new car or for uh, God to make my marriage go better. No, no, you're breaking down strongholds. That there are barriers, strongholds, there are dividing walls, there are things that, have, that the enemy has surrounding you or other people that have them chained and captive, things that are hindering them. It could be a sin, it could be an addiction. And, and God is telling us that as we use this mighty weapon of prayer, that it breaks down strongholds, that it has divine power to do more than just what our flesh can do, that we have such a powerful tool. So though we walk in the flesh... We don't wage war in the flesh. We wage war in the spiritual. And so I believe that, that a lot of us, if we're being honest, if we were to examine our prayer life, 
our prayers would be probably that of the flesh. You see, the flesh prays pretty self, selfish. Me, myself, and I. You know, and just examine your prayer life and, and look back and notice what you pray. Is it about me, myself, and I? That God, that you would do something for me? God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. You see, but a prayer in the Spirit is not so focused on just me, myself, and I. Praying in the Spirit means that I am guided and directed by the Holy Spirit that lives in me. And so I have to be in tune with the Spirit of God, and I pray in the Spirit, and then His will is to be done. You see, a praying in the Spirit is a prayer of surrender. I'm surrendering not my will, but your will. We see Jesus demonstrate that. As he prayed that the, that the cup would pass from him. As he's approaching crucifixion, he said, God, I don't want this. God, it's going, to be, it's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. But nevertheless, not my will, God, but your will. That's a prayer in the Spirit. And see, I believe a lot of us, if we're being honest, we, we, we pray. We pray. We believe in prayer. But I believe we're praying in the flesh and not in the Spirit. So we're doing the right thing, it's just in the wrong environment. It's much like uh, when I was in school, I don't know if y'all did this, maybe this was just a Horn Lake saying, you made, um, you made shoebox ecosystems. You would take a shoebox, put it on its side, you would take the lid and put it up there, and that would be the, the floor, and then you would look into the shoebox and you would create an ecosystem. You would get a sign like a, a rainforest or a desert. You know, you get different ecosystems, and you had to put different animals that lived in that ecosystem and, and um, the plants that lived there, the, the trees that lived there and all that. And, and, it, and you would never put in a rainforest a cactus. Though a cactus is needed in the desert, or though a, a, you know, though a, a python is fi- found in the rainforest, they have its place. They're needed in certain environments. But if you place them in the wrong environment, they lose their purpose. It loses its power. A cactus will not survive in the rainforest. And a lot of times we have this tool of prayer, and we're thinking that we're doing the right. Man, I, I can go to God. He hears me, so I can pray about anything. I can ask, as the Bible says, and it will be given to me. And we're doing this powerful, using this powerful tool, but we're in the wrong environment. We're not praying in the Spirit according to the Spirit's will. We're praying according to my flesh and my desires and my wants and my dreams. And so Paul is reminding them, no, 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 pray at all times, but in the Spirit. And now when we talk about praying in the Spirit, the pendulum will swing a lot of times to to the extremes of one side or the other. And in being in a, a Pentecostal church, a lot of times we can swing too far to the other side and put limitations on what praying in the Spirit means, as well as the other side of denominations would say that it's way over here and you put limitations on what praying in the Spirit means. But I believe that there's truth to both, and it can be both and and not either or. That over here, praying in the Spirit is not exclusive to praying in tongues. That there's more than just praying in tongues when you talk about praying in the Spirit. But then also over here, when, when they would say that, oh, well, praying in the Spirit is just being led by God to pray, I believe there's more than that. I believe that, yes, praying in the Spirit is led by God, directed by God, that you are using the Holy Spirit that dwells in you to lead you and to influence you. And sometimes when the Holy Spirit leads you to in, and influences you, you pray in the Spirit. That there are times for you to do that. Uh, So I believe that it's both and, not either or. And so what I want us to do today as we talk about praying in the Spirit is not be so closed-minded that we think, well, well, that's just just speaking in tongues. Well, no, no, you just lost a whole bunch of other things. Or, oh, that's just being led by God. Well, no, no, it's not just being led by God. There's also tools that He's given us to pray in the Spirit. There's some scriptures that we can make reference of to see that, that praying in the Spirit is not just being led by God, but it's also a prayer language. It's also praying in tongues, as we call it. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul says in verse 14, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Notice that. If I pray in a tongue, then my spirit prays. But my mind is unfruitful. Why? Because you're praying in a heavenly language that your human brain doesn't understand. So what am I to do? Paul says, I will, this is a command, I will pray with my spirit. So I am going to pray in tongues. But I will also pray with my mind, right? Because then you look crazy sometimes. 
If you're not using English, then the people are going to be like, what are you, what's going on? So at all times, so I pray with my mind also. Here's another insight. I pray, I'll sing praise with my spirit. So he sings praise with his spirit. But I will sing with my mind also. And then we see how praying in the spirit can strengthen us as a believer. When we pray in a spiritual tongue, we, we get strengthened, we get built up. Uh, also, now this is 1 yeah, Corinthians 14.4 says, 1 Corinthians 14.4 says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. And we can read that and think that it's negative. Oh, well, you don't need to build yourself up. Well, that's not talking about pride. That's talking about strengthening yourself as a believer, maturing in your faith, building yourself up. And so, yeah, we want to build up the church. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to operate in the gifts of prophecy, but we're not going to neglect the gift of praying in tongues because we want to be built up. We want to, it's, it's, it's for our benefit, for us as a believer. When we pray in tongues, it builds us up. It's not for the church edification. It's for us as individuals. We want to be strengthened and matured. And so we want to use the tool that God's given us. Jude chapter 1, verse 20 would echo this. But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. So there we see it again. So if we want to be what, like Paul says, soldiers that are engaging in this war and we want to engage effectively, then we need to be in the spirit, walking in the spirit. And that includes a whole kind, a whole gamut of prayers. That's why Paul would go on to say, pray all kinds of prayers. Did you know that there's different kinds of prayers? That's why we see those scriptures that, that we can pray in the Spirit. There's intercession prayers. There's uh, consecration prayers. There's all kinds of different types of prayers. And so we want to make sure that we're doing all of it and not just focusing in on one thing because we can miss the bigger picture. It's the same thing with praying in tongues. If all you ever do is just pray in tongues, then you're missing it. If all your prayers are everything else but that, then you're missing it. And so we need to make sure that we are receiving the fullness of what God wants to do. And now you will probably go home and study some more on 1 Corinthians chapter 14, especially if uh, uh, praying in tongues is new to you. Or maybe you were raised to say that that stopped with the apostles. And so you're going to do some digging into that and you're going to see if that's for the church today. I would encourage you to deep dive into it. But I would also let you know, and you'll discover this in your studies, that don't get so confused because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul will flip-flop a little bit between the individual prayer language and then the corporate gift for the church of, of tongues and interpretation. And so a lot of times we can take a verse based on tongues and interpretation and try to apply that to the personal prayer language. And then, then it would start to contradict itself and you would be even more confused. And so I would encourage you as you dig into it to, to see the context of what Paul's talking about and that he says, I'm going to pray with my spirit. Matter of fact, if you keep reading, he says, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of y'all. And so this is something that Paul did, that Paul taught the church, that the church carried on even after Paul was dead. And so don't get so caught up in that that you get confused with it. Make sure you understand the context of it. And so we need to understand that praying in the Spirit is bigger than just what the Pentecostals would say is pray, a prayer language. And it's bigger than just being led or guided in your prayers by the Holy Spirit. We need to pray all kinds of prayers. And so we see Paul say, pray all kinds of prayers. And then he says uh, something about supplication. He says, pray with all supplication. This supplication is actually where you are asking God for something. So there is a time for us to ask God for something, that we need him to move on our behalf, for us to do something. That's included in this all types of prayers. And so we need to pray and ask God for big things for bold things. I would just encourage you today to increase your prayer life and increase your expectation of what God wants to do in your life because we are people of faith. And if we're people of faith, do our prayers reflect that? Do it reflect a Bethel farm risk-taking prayers of God? I want to give you everything. God, I surrender myself to you. God, I'm putting myself in your hands. That's big prayers. That's bold prayers. When you say, God, not only am I giving you myself, God, I'm giving you my children. God, you, you, th these are yours. I'm just stewarding them. 
God, they do what you want to do. And when you pray those kind of bold prayers, God moves on your behalf. He does some incredible things. And so he says, pray at all times in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers and supplications. Then he says, keep alert with all perseverance. I think it's important for us to understand this. Paul is still thinking about spiritual warfare terms. We're soldiers, right? And so if we're going to engage in this battle, it's going to require a high alertness. We're going to have to stay awake, stay alert. He says, keep alert. That means to watch and be ready. To watch and be ready. That when we're praying, when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're people of the Spirit, when we're on mission by God, that we need to watch and be ready. To know when to pray, to know how to pray. He says, keep alert with all perseverance. That, that word right there means to never slack, never give up, never relax. Matter of fact, the Bible uses this same word over and over again when it's talking about prayer. We should never slack in it. Well, why does the Bible have to remind us of it? Because we slack in it. Because we get lazy in it and when it comes to prayer. But he's saying, pray, don't give up. Jesus even told a parable about praying and not giving up. The reference to that parable, we don't have time to get into it, but it's Luke 18. You can write Luke, Luke 18 verse 1 down, where Jesus says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. To always pray and not give up. To always pray and keep on praying that, that, so that we as a church, we don't give up. We keep praying. We keep praying for our lost loved ones. We keep praying for our wayward children. We keep praying for, the, for the, the, the communities around us. We keep praying that God would use us to be light in the darkness. Those are spirit-filled prayers because it's not about us. It's about them that God would, would move on somebody else's behalf. And so we see that we need to keep alert, that we need to be in the spirits, making supplication for all the saints. Supplication for all the saints is intercession prayer. We're, we're constantly praying for somebody else, interceding on, on somebody else's behalf. That we're going to God on behalf of somebody else. You see, even Jesus interceded for us in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, you can write that reference down, verse 34. Jesus Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. That's a type of prayer that you can intercede for each other, that you can go to God on behalf of somebody else. And then Paul, he would end this little thing by saying, and pray for me also. Pray for me also. So Paul's asking for prayer. So if you're ever in your prayer time and you don't know what to pray, pray for me. Pray for your pastor. Pray for the church. That's why Paul says, pray for me as well. Pray for the congregation. And I love what Paul says in his prayer request. He didn't pray Pray that the food would get better here. Or he didn't pray, you know, I'm cold. Uh, or pray that I get out of jail soon. No, no, he didn't pray that. He said, pray that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. You see so much in the New Testament about the early church and how they prayed for boldness because the persecution was so bad. And when persecution is heavy on your life, it, it, it makes you want to be silent. When you are getting attacked spiritually, it makes you want to re retreat and be silent and be still. And so the early church we see was praying consistently for boldness, that they needed to be bold. So much so, I think it's an interesting fact that some 6 million people were put to death in the first 270 years of the church's existence. That 6 million Christians were killed in the first 270 years of the church's existence. They needed boldness. They needed power. They needed this because the persecution was heavy. But not only that, I, I think that there is power associated with this, that when we pray for boldness to preach the gospel, when we pray for boldness for God to use us, then there is a power that happens. And I want us to see that today because that's a part of praying in the Spirit. A part of praying in the Spirit is praying for the boldness we need to go and to preach the gospel, to go and to advance the light of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 4, we see where the apostles, or the disciples, I'm sorry, the disciples are, are praying for boldness. And I want you to see what, they, what it says here. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, 
This is a little bit into their prayer, and it says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. That was their prayer. Then verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. When we pray for boldness, God moves on our behalf. When we pray for boldness, we get the power that we need. Listen, from a, from a biblical sense, boldness is not a personality trait. It's a result of the, of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can be very timid and meek and very shy, don't like to engage with people, but the moment that you walk in the Spirit, the moment that you engage in the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, boldness comes out. That it's not a personality trait. And so you don't have to say, well, oh, I'm just not bold enough or I'm not talkative enough or I'm introverted so I can never share the gospel. I can never make a difference. I can never tell somebody about Jesus. No, no, no. You're trying to do it in the flesh. You're praying in the flesh. You're operating in the flesh. We are called to operate in the Spirit. And when we operate in the Spirit, there's divine power like we read. And so we have this power to break down strongholds. We have this power to be bold. And so we want to be people of boldness, that I open up my mouth and I proclaim the gospel. And so just as Paul is encouraging and reminding the church to lay this foundation of Spirit-filled prayer, that we are dependent upon the Holy Spirit, that we're walking in the Holy Spirit, praying not in our flesh and our, our desires, but praying the will of God, praying what He desires. Just as Paul is reminding the church, it's a reminder to us that it's time for us to begin to pray in the Spirit. It's time for us to begin to be led and directed by the Holy Spirit. It's time for us to pray in our prayer language, to use the gift that God has given us, to build up each other so that we all can lay this foundation that Jesus wants to build His church on. And so we're not sitting on the sidelines dressed in our armor, our sword in our hand, and just waiting on somebody else to do something. No, no, we're getting off the bleachers, off the sideline, and we're getting in the game, and we're fighting this battle. The reality is, is for a lot of us today, we just saw prayer as a one-way thing. I'm just communicating to God, and I hope that He hears me. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. So guess what? When you pray, not only does God hear you, He speaks. He speaks to you. He speaks to you. Sometimes it'll be a check in your spirit. Sometimes it'll be through, through his word. Sometimes it'll be through somebody else. And they'll say, man, the Lord just really put it on my heart to tell you this. God still speaks. And we want to be a place where God speaks. We want to be a church where God speaks. We want to be a church that's not based on performance, but on his presence. You know, it's been on my heart all morning, even before service, and had a little bit of discussion even before service with somebody about this, is that it's so easy for us, if we are operating in our flesh, to build a performance-based church. But we must operate in the Spirit if we want to build a presence-based church, where we want the presence of God to come. We want people to have an encounter with Him. And I believe, here's, I'm going to close with this, I, I believe this is how we make that shift. Prayer is the foundation of this. Because if we're, if we're walking in the flesh, praying in the flesh, then it's going to be all about us. So it'll be all about our needs. And so we have this performance-based thing. We, just, we, we want good music. We want good word. We want good, hot, fresh cafe items. We want good kids' ministry. We want, you know, I want, to, I want to feel welcomed. I want this place to be clean. And all those things are important. But that's not the end-all, be-all. That's not the reason why we gather it's not about a performance. You see, a performance-based church would create a consumer mindset. If I am just coming to see a good performance, then all I'm doing is consuming. But in order for us to make this shift and be a presence-based church, I'm talking about a church where when you walk in, you feel the presence of God. I'm talking about where the people that are far from Him cannot help but surrender to Him because His presence is so strong in this place. That where every Sunday we gather, every Wednesday night we gather, every time we come together collectively as a body of Christ, that the presence of God comes in such a tangible way 
that we see what we just read, signs and wonders follow. The only way for us to do that is for us to be people praying in the Spirit, led by God, walking in the Spirit, that we put on the full armor of God and we get in the game. We get in there, we, we wage war. And so we're not consuming, we're contributing. So a presence-based church is not like the consumer-based it's, it's performance-based. It is, hey, I'm going con- to contribute to this. I'm going to play my part. Well, what does that look like? It looks like each one of us putting on the whole armor of God, picking up the sword, and praying in the Spirit, praying at all times, waging war in the heavenlies. And if we do that, if we are led by God and not led by man, if we're led by the Spirit, then we will see God move in such a supernatural way. And so that's my heart desire, and I believe that's the heart's desire of all of us today. And so if that's it, what we're going to do tonight, uh, today is that we're going to go to God in prayer. We're going to pray, and we're going to believe that God's going to move. Do you think He will? Yeah. Let's bow our heads together. Father, in this place right now, we're preparing our hearts, our spirits, our minds for you to show up. God, we didn't gather here today just to hear some good music and to hear a good word. God, we, we gathered today to have an encounter with you. And Father, I'm reminded of what we talked about last week of how Paul founded the church in Acts 19 on power, signs and wonders and miracles, a move of God. But then when Jesus references them in Revelation chapter 2, they lost their first love. They got away from it. They started operating not on their power of God, but on just themselves, the flesh. Maybe God for them, church was just a ritual. Maybe God for them, church was just to come and get what I need to get, do to go and go about my way. But Father, today we never want to get so caught up in the performance, in the consuming, in the flesh that we never have an encounter with you. And so Father, as, as believers right now, we are crucifying the flesh, praying in the Spirit. Your will be done. And God, as right now we are in this moment of reflection, asking you to speak to us, God, I want you right now, this is my supplication, God, I'm asking, God, that you would begin to draw in those people in this moment that are in this room that are far from you. And God, I'm not asking you something that's not your will because the Bible is clear that it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should have eternal life, that all should come to faith in Jesus Christ. God, you are the one that's pulling them in right now. And so, Father, I just believe I'm, I'm praying in accordance to your will that, God, there are people in this room that are far from you. Prayer is just a Christian thing that somebody else does. They don't have a, an intimate relationship with you. And Father, in this moment, before we go any further, before we respond to you today, before we see your power show up in our worship, before we see you be enthroned among the praises of our people, God, before any of that, we all, we all want to be a part of this. And so, Father, I'm asking right now that you would begin to tug on the hearts and the spirits of those people that need a relationship with you. And if that's you today, I'm talking about you. You know this. The Spirit right now is tugging on your heart. You can't explain it. You don't understand it. But something's tugging in your spirit right now. That is the Holy Spirit. He's drawing you into a relationship with you, with Him. Your next step is surrender. Saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. I give you everything. I believe in you. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you rose from the grave. I believe that you offer new life and I I surrender my life to you and I receive that new life. If that's you today, I want you to make a bold step. We're not gonna embarrass you, but we want you to be bold today. Others are praying, their heads are bowed, their eyes are closed, they're doing their business with God. But if you would say, Michael, today's the day that I'm surrendering my life to Christ. Would you just lift up your hand and say, that's me. Today is the day that I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Is there anybody today? 
You feel the Spirit drawing you in and saying, today is the day that I surrender. Give it all to Him. Now we have this environment where every one of us in the room today are believers. And when believers gather together in the Spirit, not the flesh, God shows up. We have divine power to break down strongholds. And so in this moment right now, we're going to move into a time of response. It's where we respond in worship. We respond in the altars. We respond through prayer. Our prayer team will be along the side walls. They've been interceding. We talked about intercession briefly. They've been interceding for you. And they would love the opportunity to pray with you. And so they're going to make their way at, at this time as we all stand across the room. We're all going to stand to our feet and we're going to worship. And we're going to believe that God would move in a mighty way to heal, to restore, to bring honor and glory to his name. And so, Father, right now, we right now, we increase our faith. Come on, let faith rise in this room, that, that our level of expectancy would rise, God, that we are believing, God, that we have divine power living in us because the Holy Spirit resides in me. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And so there's resurrection power in your name today, God. And so right now, Father, we're, we're going to begin to pray for those people that are far from you, that are living a life of darkness. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a wife. Maybe it's a co-worker or a child or a friend. God, we're lifting them up. We're calling them out, their name out before you today, God. We're believing for health and wholeness, God. We're praying for those people that have sickness in their bodies, that you would touch them. We're praying for people that have demonic strongholds on their life. They've given a foothold to the devil and the enemy is attacking them and they can't break it. We're going to go right now. We're going to rebuke that. We're going to bind that up in Jesus' name and we're going to cast it out. Today is the day that we see miracles, signs, and wonders so that this place can be a place that the lost can encounter the presence of the living God. And so, Father, we're not asking for you to show up just for me. I'm asking you to show up so that this place can be a place where the, the darkness can come and find light. For those that are far from you can come and find hope and healing and salvation. And so, God, would you show up in such a powerful way, such a powerful way that would bring honor and glory to your name, your name, Jesus. Lord, we love you. We honor you. And right now we worship you. We worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we worship Jesus together in this place?